Turn, if you would, this morning to the book of John. If you would, turn this up just a little bit. Book of John. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for uh, your goodness to us. I pray that you would bless now the effort to preach your word, that you would use it to speak to our hearts. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I'm going to begin with a thought that all of you will understand, though you may not understand it immediately, so I'll take just a moment and explain myself after I've made the statement, and then once I've explained myself, you'll probably think, well, of course we know that, of course we understand that, but the thought that I'd like us to consider, the statement that I'd like us to give attention to is this, is that as we go through this life, certain chapters are going to close and we will never be able to revisit them again. As we go through this life, there are just going to be chapters that come to a close, and once they have come to a close, we will never, no matter how hard we may strive, we will never be able to revisit those times again in our lives. I was thinking about just a few of those areas that are true of me and would be true of many of you, but I was thinking about my marriage with Susie this week and how that we have been married a little over 20 years now. And the reality is this, is no matter what she and I may strive to do in our relationship and our marriage, we will never, ever be newlyweds again. It's just impossible. I can take her out on dates. I can take her places that she might be interested in. We can have as much fun together as we could possibly have. But we'll never be newlyweds again. It's simply impossible. It'll be impossible if we listen to this. It'll be impossible for me and Susie to raise three small children again. It's just not going to happen. Our kids are older. Our kids are well past the stage of being little. So it's not anything that we can do no matter how much we may want to. I really can't honestly call myself the young preacher anymore. I'm younger than some, but I'm not young like I once was, and this would be true as well, and I know I've mentioned this before, but there are just certain physical abilities that are gone forever. It doesn't matter what I do, it doesn't matter how hard I strive, it doesn't matter what I seek to accomplish. There are just certain things that physically I will never, ever be able to do again. Now, that's true in so many different areas of life. And here's what I know that we may not like this. We may not enjoy accepting that. But we know that we are forced to accept that as truth. And so here's what would make sense. It would make sense for a person to strive to enjoy and make the most of whatever stage they are in at this moment. If a person is a newlywed, they ought to strive to realize it'll never be like this again, so you need to enjoy this as much as possible. 
For the young family trying to raise small children, they need to realize there's coming a day when this will come to a close. And rather than looking forward to that next stage, you need to just enjoy this and, and make the most of it. And, and, and understanding that, that time is marching on for everyone and that things are going to change and things are going to shift in our lives. We just need to enjoy where we're at right now. I, I know I've presented this before. I know that we've considered this before. But isn't it true that we need the reminder over and over and over again? How many times do we fail to take advantage of the moment before us? We have this moment. We have it in our hands. We have it to do with what we would like to do. And once this moment is past, we'll never get it back. How often do we forget that? If you're like most, you forget it far more than you remember it. I mean, if you think about it, how true that statement is. We can't even get back the last 24 hours, much less the last 24 months or the last 24 years. Once it's done, once it is completed, that segment, that chapter, that time in our lives, it is done, and it can never be revisited again. Now that in mind, this morning, whenever we come to the book of John, here is what I think many of us know. I think many of us know, many of us are aware of this truth, that the ministry of Christ is introduced rather quickly. There's not much time given to the, the arrival of Christ. There's really no... Uh, a time given to the birth of Christ, immediately we are introduced to Christ and his public ministry, and we know that very soon into the book of John, we are introduced to his calling of the disciples and the apostles who would travel with him over the course of the next few years. You're aware of that, I would assume. So that being said, here's what most of us would also know, and, and I know that I've touched on this before. This isn't a major point of the message. I just want us to think about it. But for the next few years, here's what the 12 disciples would enjoy. They would enjoy a front row to the most incredible ministry ever known to this earth. They would witness the miracles like nobody else would be able to witness. They would get to listen to the teachings like no one else would be able to enjoy, at least with the consistency that they were able to enjoy them. They would get to sit at the feet of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. They would get to hear Him. They would get to interact with Him. They would get to, to have discussions with Him. They were able to enjoy something that no one else who walked on earth was able to enjoy. And yet with everything afforded to them, here is what we know. They were still humans with a fallen flesh at best. You would agree with that, right? And so as a result of that, here is what we know. Again, no surprise to most of you, but because of their fallen sinful flesh, here is what was true of them that many times they said things that probably didn't need to be said. And they did things that certainly did not need to be done. 
And so it didn't really matter that you had set them in the ideal circumstance, in the ideal situation, with the ideal leader. They were still guilty of saying things and doing things that they should not have said, that they should not have done. And no doubt there were times that with hindsight they thought to themselves, man, that was dumb. Because any of us who have reflected on our past have certainly got some moments where we have said, well, that was stupid. I don't expect us to get excited about it, but we've all had those moments where we've said, that was dumb, that was stupid, I wish I had not done that. Now, in chapter 9, which is where we're going to be this morning, we've got one of those moments, we've got one of those situations where the disciples are going to say some things that didn't need to be said. If you take notes in your Bible, you may have a note that I preached this passage some time back. I just want you to know I'm not re-preaching the same message. We're going a little bit further than the last time I preached this text. But in John chapter 9, verse number 1, here is what it says. And it says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. So, again, being somewhat acquainted with this passage, for many of us, we understand that Jesus, as well as his disciples, they have made their way down or through a particular location, and in doing so, here's what they see. They see a man who was blind from his birth. Now, we understand that they didn't have the medical technology that we enjoy today, so it was impossible for them to look at this from a medical standpoint and find out what was wrong with his vision that had caused him to be born blind. And so in their day, here is what the assumption was, that if a person was born blind, if they were born with some kind of a disability or some kind of infirmity, it had to be the fault of someone that this was not just something that happened by way of of accident or something that happened as a result of nature or some kind of a defect. They were of the persuasion and they were of the mindset that this had to be the result of someone's sin. So they asked the question in verse number 2. His disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. They thought that it was their business. They thought that they deserved an answer. So, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, I don't suspect that they were expecting the answer that Christ gave in verse number 3. It says in verse number 3 that Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents. All right? So this man's infirmity, this man's disability, this man's limitation by way of a loss of sight, it is not the result of his sin or the sin of his parents. But he said in verse number 3 that it is rather that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So God or or Christ, why is it that this man was born blind? Whose sin is responsible for this man's condition? And Christ responds with this, It has nothing to do with sin, but rather the reason that he was born blind is so that people might be able to witness the power of God in his life. Now that's where the message from some time ago ended. Why do we deal with some of the struggles we deal with sometimes? 
What is the cause of that? Well, sometimes the cause of our struggles and sometimes the cause of our difficulties is not because of sin in our life, but so that others might see the power of God working in us. So here is what Christ says is the reason for this man's blindness. It is so that the works of God or the hand of God or the power of God might be made manifest or be made known in him. But notice what Christ said next. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me. I must work the works of him that sent me. Now remember, all the disciples wanted to know was this, is who's responsible for the blindness? Why was this man born in the condition that he was born in? And Christ said that it's not for the reasons that you may assume or that you may expect, but it is because the power of God is going to be displayed. But he said, I must. I must. What does that mean? It means this, I have to do this. I have to work, I must work the works of him that sent me. I don't know how often we lose sight of this. I know for myself it's something that I lose sight of on a regular basis. But to think about the submission of Jesus Christ, God the Son to God the Father, that is an amazing thing when you think about it that God the Son would yield himself and humble himself to come to this earth in the form of a man and yield himself to the authority of God the Father. That is an amazing thing. It's amazing, and as you think about it, here is what Christ declared in verse number 4. Listen, this is not optional for me. This is not something that I have the right to choose or that I have the, the ability to, to kind of make my own decisions and choose my own path. He said this, I must work the works of him, that being God, who sent me. What Christ was declaring is this, is that he had been put on this earth with a mission, for a cause. There was a reason that he existed, and he was called to do what the Father had sent him to do. Now, I know for Christ it came a little bit easier because he was sinless. But again, there was this realization and there was this understanding that his time on this earth was to be spent doing the work of his Father. And I appreciate the songs we sang this morning, and I did not talk to Brother Randy about the message at all. But I like what we sang this morning because it goes right in line with what we're looking at. He said in verse number 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. What is Christ saying? Christ is saying this. I've got a window of opportunity right now. I have a window of opportunity to do what I have been commissioned to do, to do what I have been sent to do. And so he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. He said, the night cometh when no man can work. We understand that things were different a couple of thousand years ago than they are today, right? Amen. 
Today, we don't really think that much about darkness and the significance of it. We don't really think that much about the inconvenience of darkness if we want to do something, though it may be dark. If it's dark and we want to do something, what do we do? We flip the switch and we take care of it, right? That's what we do. And so we don't think much about darkness, but in their day, darkness was a little bit more significant than it is our day because it wasn't quite as easy and it wasn't quite as convenient for them to remove the darkness with light so that they could carry on. For many of them in their day, here is what the darkness did. It brought a a, a conclusion to their activity and it brought an end to their business that they were engaged in. And so what Christ was saying is this, is listen, I've got a window of opportunity here to do the work of the one who sent me. I've got some daylight here, and here's what's going to happen. I've got to work within that time frame that I've been given, because here's what's going to happen. The night is going to come. The sun is going to set. And when the night comes and when the sun sets, here's the reality. No man can work once the sun has set. So you've got this window of opportunity where work can be done. But once the sun sets, once the darkness comes, that chapter is closed and you cannot go back and revisit it no matter how hard one may strive or no matter how hard one may try. Here's your chance. Here's your opportunity. Here is your shot. And when the night comes, it's done, and there's no more opportunity. So that in mind, this morning I want to ask you a few questions. I know they're going to sound silly. I know they're going to sound somewhat ridiculous. I promise you I'm going somewhere with this, okay? I want to begin this morning by thinking about our young people. We have young people in the auditorium this morning. I'm glad to have them in our auditorium this morning. It's a good thing to have them. But I want us to think about the young kids this morning, those that would be in junior high, high school, and below. I want us to think about this. Is it a good thing? Is it a necessary thing? Is it an appropriate thing for our children to receive an education? Oh, of course it is, all right? We're not going to spend a long time trying to prove this. If you don't think they need an education, we'll just agree to disagree. I think kids need an education, at least in our culture, all right? I think it's beneficial to know how to read and write and do, you know, math and things of that nature. And so we'll just agree that, in general, kids need an education, all right? There's nothing wrong with kids receiving an education. There's nothing wrong with someone who has received an education to decide after high school that they want to go a little bit further in their education and pursue something that would require a degree to go into the field of their interest, correct? All right. So if somebody were to graduate high school and they said, I want to be a CPA, all right, well, you're going to have to go to college to do that, and there's nothing wrong with going to college to become a CPA. If somebody says, I want to be a doctor, I want to be an engineer, I want to be whatever it may be, okay, those are things that require higher education than just, than just the high school diploma. And if that is what someone wants to pursue, if that is what someone wants to engage in, there's nothing wrong with that, Right. Right. Okay. So we understand that there's nothing wrong with engaging in education on on the basic level, and there's nothing wrong with an education at the advanced level. But at the same time, we would say this, there is nothing wrong for the person who barely graduates high school, who gets out by the skin of their teeth and says, I am never going back to school a day in my life, right? 
There's nothing wrong with that. If somebody got out of high school and they said something to this effect, I am not college material and I am not going to college. I'm going to go to work and I'm going to begin my career. There is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with people taking promotions, with people advancing in whatever career it may be that they choose to engage in. There's nothing wrong that as people age and as people grow and as people move on in life, there's nothing wrong with them getting married. Right? I said these are silly and simple and maybe borderline ridiculous. It's the way God designed it actually, right? For us to get married, to have children and to start our families and 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 to enjoy this new life that's been given to us that's that's all normal and it's all acceptable and it's all appropriate well, is there anything wrong with you and I enjoying the blessings and the bounty that God has given us no there's not if God's blessed us we don't have to apologize for it If God's given us increase, we don't have to make excuses for it. As I've said before, if we've tried to live in obedience to the will of God and and that is how He has chosen to bless us, there's nothing that we have to apologize for, feel guilty about, or, or make excuses for. We can just say this is what God has blessed us with and that's good. So I want us to think about this and just consider it. There's nothing wrong with our kids being educated, pursuing higher education, bypassing higher education, beginning a career, moving up the ladder, making money, getting married, having a family, and enjoying the the prosperity that God has blessed us with. There is nothing wrong with that. Would we agree? But I want to ask you something else. Are those things the only reason for our existence? The answer is no. God did not put me on this earth to get an education so that I could say I graduated high school. And God did not put me on this earth so that I could say after that I went to Bible college and I got a four-year degree. That is not why God put me on this earth. And God did not put me on this earth just for the purpose of getting married and having children and and advancing somewhat in my career, so to speak. And, And God did not put me on this earth just so that I could take of the resources that have been afforded me, so that I could enjoy those things and heap more things upon myself. I've got to remind myself from time to time that there is more of a reason for my existence than to just exist and work and make money and do so until I die. I have to be reminded that I have a job to do while living on this earth of a spiritual nature. It is not these things and these things alone that I am here for. It is these things in addition to what God would have me to do in connection with whatever it is God has me doing in this life. I have a work to do and I am no different than anyone else. You have a work to do.
See, think about our kids who would call themselves Christians. They have the responsibility and they have the obligation to go to school because that's where their parents send them, right? So they need to go and they need to go with a good attitude and they need to try their best and they need to do their best on their their schoolwork, their education and, and things of that nature. But our kids need to be reminded that kids, it's not just about going to school and getting A's and B's and C's or whatever it is you may be able to pull in. But even as a student in school, it is that plus you doing the work of God that he would have you to do in your schools. I want our young people to hear this, all right? As a Christian, it is not your purpose to just go to school. It is to go to school with this reality in mind that you have a work to do in your schools that no one else can do. You're supposed to be salt. You're supposed to be light. You're supposed to be a witness. You're supposed to be a testimony. Listen, Christian kids were never designed by God to blend in with the lost secular world. And kids, you need to understand this, that God has called you to do something in the schools that you attend because you have a work to do that God wants you to do as a child of God. We can get all excited about the job that our kids have. But we've got to be reminded as adults sometimes that we don't have a job just for the sake of a paycheck and benefits. God has given us a job and there are benefits and there are paychecks that are associated with it. But you know what we need to be reminded of? We've got to be reminded of this, that I have more of a purpose in life than to make money and try to secure benefits. I have a work to do at the place where I'm employed. That is a work that only I can do. That is a job that only I can do. There may be other Christians where you work. There may be other Christians who are a part of what you're associated with. But they cannot do what you can do any more than you can do what they're supposed to do. We've got to be reminded that we're not an employee here and a Christian here. No, we are Christian employees and we take our Christianity wherever we go. We don't get to separate and say, well, in this environment we're just going to try to blend in and we're going to look like the world and sound like the world and talk like the world and do the things the world does. And over here we'll play the religious part and we'll, we'll, we'll play the religious life over here. No, you've got a job to do as much as I've got a job to do, as much as Christ had a job to do. You have a work from the one who has put you on this earth, and you cannot shuck that responsibility no matter how you may try at times. There's nothing wrong with sitting back and enjoying the blessings of God in the later stages of life. There's nothing wrong with it. However, even in the latter stages of life, you do not allow, you are not allowed to retire from the work 
that God has commissioned you with. See, we don't get to reach a point where we say things like this, well, that's not my responsibility anymore. No, friends, so long as we're alive, we have some kind of a responsibility in all this. The job description may change a little bit. The, the requirements may be different than what they once looked like. But I, I want to remind all of us that there never comes a point in our spiritual lives where we get to clock out and go home for the last time and say we're done with this whole ministry thing and this whole serving thing and this whole working thing. No, we've got to be reminded that no matter what stage of life we're in, there is a work to do. I think we lose sight of that sometimes. That this is my opportunity. Not for me to shine, but this is my opportunity to work for the one who has put me on this earth. This is my opportunity at school. And the kids need to be reminded that when school is done, you'll never have that atmosphere back again, no matter how many reunions you may go to. It will never be the same as it is right now. And somebody says, well, you know, the whole work situation, well, I'll do it later. No, listen, once that chapter closes, we will never get that chapter back. Well, I, well I'll do this later. No, we, we won't. If we're not doing it now, we won't do it then. We've got to realize that for every one of us, right now, this is our daylight. This is our opportunity to do what God has called us to do. To be the Christians we have been called to be. I want to remind us, you know this, but I want to remind us. Christianity is not Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Christianity is not Sunday mornings from 7 till Sunday evenings at around 7.30. That's not what Christianity is. I just want to remind us, Christianity is 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, plus leap year, and we're always on call. We never get a weekend off. It's our opportunity. See, we need to be reminded that this is my one chance at this. Because here's what's happening. Night is coming on. For every one of us. It's not like it's only going to happen to this segment of people or, or to this group of people or this individual. No, night's coming on for all of us. And when night comes, guess what? We'll have no more opportunity to work. That chapter will be closed. It will be done. It will be finished. It will be completed. It will be over. And we don't get to go back and redo it, try to make it right, try to make it better, try to talk to that person one more time, try to deal with this situation one more time. No, this is a one-time shot. 
Here's Christ, and he's saying to the disciples, listen, the only reason this man was born blind was so that the work of God might be made manifest in him. And disciples, you need to understand something. I must, I have to do the works of him that sent me. And I've got to do it when? Right now, while it is day, because night cometh when no man worketh. I just want to remind us this morning of a very simple truth. We've got one shot at this. Others have said it. Others have repeated it. And so I'll do the same thing. We've got to be reminded, reminded that this life is not a dress rehearsal. This is it. We get one shot at this. And it's over. God did not put us on this earth to see how much we can amass, to see how much we can acquire, to see how much fun we can have, and then get serious about the Lord at some point later on. No, all of us have a work to do. All of us have a work to do now, and we need to be reminded there will come a day when we can't. And so this morning, I'm not, I want this clear, I'm not trying to beat anyone up if you've, if you've wasted opportunities because every honest person would have to admit we have wasted opportunities. We've all wasted opportunities. So I'm not sitting here or standing here before you saying how dare you because I'm as guilty of wasting opportunities as you are. But I want to remind us from this point forward, we ought to have a desire to say, Lord, I want to do the work that you've called me to do. I don't want to sit. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to, to lose on the opportunity or to lose out on the opportunity that I've been given right now. God, help me to take advantage of the daylight hours because the night is coming. Is there any area in your life where you'd have to be honest this morning and say, you know, I've been letting opportunities slip by. I've been letting opportunities go by me without really putting forth the effort that I ought. If so, I would just encourage you, get busy. Get busy and take advantage of the opportunity to serve the Lord that you've been given because we'll be so glad we did one day when we're no longer able to do what we can do right now. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. I pray that you would bless the message, Lord, the effort to challenge your people. I pray that you'd use it to speak to our hearts. God, we have one chance at this. I pray that you'd remind us of that today. I pray that you'd help us to do everything that you would have us to do to be what we're supposed to be so that we can live a life that is pleasing to you. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.